What follows is the fabled lost pilot to Clerks. Originally planned to air May 31st, 2000, it was lost on the test audience who hated it and was eventually lost under a pile of unaired Wonderland and Wasteland episodes. Unfortunately, someone found it and now you're going to have to watch Regular it. Tune in next week for a much better episode. For now, though, courage. Welcome to another very special episode of Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Magnum Mills, and I'm here with the soup deucer to get our animation on. Soup, introduce yourself, uh, tell us what you're sipping on. I'm just having a Coors Light because that's what I do, apparently. And it's easy to animate. Well, you know, some things, some things always stay the same, man. You know, sometimes things don't change. And here I am drinking the bush ice, so that ain't changing either, man. We're here to talk about the Clerks animated series. Uh, welcome to uh, Regular Dudes Watch Stuff, man. Once again, I am the Soup. Remember to hit your flaps and thumbs and everything else, man. And uh, Mills, you got the details on that. Like the man said, find us wherever you get your pods. We're on YouTube, Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We're on the social media, at Dudes Watch Stuff. And please, you know, don't be a drunk pilot. Don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps people find our show. We appreciate it. it. It's all we ask. That's the deal. It's awesome. You know, if you have fun, give us a thumb. I mean, where do you stand overall in animation? Are you, you a big fan, not a fan? Kind of take it or leave it. It is what it is. I do know some people kind of, they truly believe that animated stuff like the Wu-Tang Clan is for the kids. You know, are, do you like it as an adult? I mean, this is definitely some adult animation in theory, but it, you know, aired on ABC back in the day. Yeah, no, I like I like animation of pretty much any kind, man. Um, especially when it transfers into the adult world. I like the idea of having, you know, more possibilities, almost endless possibilities that you can't really do in live action, um, you know, things because uh, it's live action things. But what you can do with animation is definitely like there's a broader spectrum there for sure, man. So um, I, I love that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as cartoon and, and child, being childish, I think it just kind of all reminds us of when we were kids and we used to watch cartoons a lot, you know. So um, I don't know that making a cartoon generally makes it automatically geared towards you know a younger crowd without specifying you know so with with now the amount of animated shows that are out there i think that uh nobody really cares and it's not being geared towards any particular unless it's you know unless it's uh noted that hey this is a children's program or hey this is an adult program or something like that i think the best and it's like the the pixar stuff right the best could do both it could kids could still watch it, but there's enough there for the adults, and then there's no problem with the over-the-top cartoons. But let's be honest here. I've seen eight-year-olds walking around in Rick and Morty t-shirts. You know, you could say what it is as far as who watches whatever again. I think just animation is just another form of a film of TV. If it's good, I'll check it out. Some animation styles I think can be a little jarring to get used to sometimes. But they work better than you think. I definitely remember being uh, thrown off by Archer originally a little bit because it, it did look so, again, a little bit of similarities here, how it's the the very thick stroke with the, the character outlines and everything. And it it's not quite a comic book brought to life, but it's a very specific look. And we'll, we'll get into that here. But I really enjoyed all this. And, you know, let's just call it what it is. We already talked about Clerks. So we're moving on to Clerks, the animated series uh, we're just going to start out, give our overall thoughts, whatnot, kind of go episode by episode, hit the highlights. Then we'll rank the episodes and figure out what viewers you joint we're going to watch next time. Uh, so please issue the people their warning about the fact that we're going to, you know, talk about stuff. This is it. You got one chance here, man. This is your only chance. We're going to spoil the fuck out of Clerks and the Clerks animated joint. 
and possibly Smith has done, you know, any of the views, universe, whatnots, man. So you have been warned. Uh, before we start doing kind of the episode by episode joint, you know, kind of overall thoughts here. I have to say, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I watched it way back in the day when it came out. I think I owned it on DVD, actually. And I remember liking it, but I probably watched it, you know, a couple of times, lost the DVD or something. I didn't really think about it. We rewatched it. I think it was definitely a lot better than I remembered it being, actually. Rewatching it again kind of for the second time in the past a couple of months or so. Definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And uh, yeah, good stuff overall. Kind of overall thoughts here, Soup, on the, the six episodes we got. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you on most of that. I, too, owned the DVD. I remember I was so stoked when it came out and I heard about it or whatever. And I got it, and it was like one of the thick ones, you know, like two discs in it or something, but it was like a double like joint. So it was like a bigger. And I think the one I got had like even a sleeve or something on it or whatever the fuck, man. So so it was a cool. That's one thing I miss about like DVDs and CDs, especially, you know, is uh, the inserts and the artwork and the, and, you know, the books and all that. But uh, cassette tapes used to have lyrics to songs printed on the little, these little, you'd be amazed that you folded way out. It was nuts. We're old. We're getting very specific here, but I think it fits with clerks. We're from that generation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I remember that. And I was, I was so stoked to like, you know, I thought it was going to be really awesome. Not that it wasn't good, but it, it wasn't clerks, you know, and yeah, it was aired on like whatever ABC or whatever. And that, to me, you know, that kind of took away, especially initially from it, you know, so I was like, it's all right, but it's, you know, PG-13 clerks and who wants that? But uh, after rewatching them and stuff, I gained a little bit more, you know, I, I, I gained a little bit more respect for them. Like they knew that. They, in the in the sixth episode, they even point out, we're going to be more like the movie. We know they knew what the deal was. So I did like that they had the self-awareness to point it out. But you're right. Nowadays, it'd be different. This would be on HBO Max, and they, they would set a record for most fucks dropped in an animated show or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, me being me, that immediately turned me off from it. And I didn't know that. So I, wa- I remember I watched them all, and I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. So uh, that kind of sat on the DVD shelf for a while after that, and who knows whatever happened to it. But uh, yeah, after this recent rewatch, man, um, definitely, I was definitely more impressed than I thought I would be. You know, I mean, it was, it, pretty cool stories. I like where they went with it. I like that it was animated and that they could use that to reach a level of silliness, almost in like a family guy kind of, or whatever. There's all these little weird things. Like the pacing is strike back. The pacing is Jay and Silent Bob strike back. It's not clerk's pacing where it was slower in these longer scenes. This is, you know, rapid bang, bing, bing, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. But again, I think it works for the animated series. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Not disappointed at all, you know. So, I mean, it was, it was cool. It was definitely cool. I think it's about time to start breaking them down, man. I think it is, man. We'll just start at the beginning with episode one, although ABC didn't. They did them out of order, which definitely did them dirty the way the episodes are structured. We will touch on that. Uh, This is episode one. Leonardo, Leonardo returns and Dante has an important decision to make. Directed by Chris Bailey, written by David Mandel and Kevin Smith. Originally aired December 14th, 2022 on Comedy Central. Guest stars include Alec Baldwin as Leonardo Leonardo, Dan Etheridge as Mr. Plug, Charles Barkley as himself. The brief summary episode is Billionaire Leonardo Leonardo returns to Leonardo, New Jersey and opens up the Quicker Stop right across from the Quick Stop, which takes away all of Dante and Randall's customers and nearly puts the Quick Stop out of business. The duo set out to stop Leonardo by uncovering his plot to enslave all of humanity, but are scoffed during an appearance at Town Hall. Jay and Silent Bob, who had been selling illegal fireworks to children, 
inadvertently blow up the quicker stop, thwarting Leonardo's plans. Uh, shout out to Alec Baldwin. He was, I guess, a bigger star back then. I mean, he's still kind of a big star, but maybe not. This was, he was definitely still a thing when uh, he was on this, and they did get a very good roster of guest stars throughout. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. The guest star list is pretty is pretty good, man. And uh, you know, with uh, with Baldwin, he's in, he's in you know a couple of these, uh, most of them actually, right? <laughs> yeah, and this is one of the things that was on the the DVD bonus feature. As Kevin Smith said, they originally had Alan Rickman. To play Leonardo Leonardo, which is kind of why he looked like Hans Gruber with the uh, beard and everything. And then eventually that fell through for various reasons and wound up being Alec Baldwin. And then we're going to change the character design and wound up going back to it. And, you know, I think it works, but I would have loved to, you know, I, Baldwin's great here, but having Alan Rickman would have been kind of cool, especially looking like Hans Gruber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Alan Rickman is always cool. I think that uh, that abides right there, I feel. At least, he, at least he got him in Dogma, though. But yeah, I mean, it would have made sense if he was uh, if he was in this too. But Gilbert Gottfried, of all people, man, like you know, we had a couple. So you almost couldn't even tell who it was, and he's got a very distinctive voice, you know. So for him being able to pull off the voices he did in more than one episode here, I thought was pretty impressive. You know, yeah, I, mean, I think it is interesting that they open up the first episode, which for most people is being seen first for the first time on the DVD with basically an apology. A title card that's like, oh, you know, just bear with us. It's going to get better after this. I, I thought that was an interesting choice, but they are probably right. You know, we'll we'll talk about that when we rank them. But this was definitely an okay episode for me. But I think it they had to do the setting up thing, and it just wasn't I don't know, super elegant or anything. It, it originally, I thought, oh man, they're going to have the, the Dante getting called in again from the, the close, you know, oh, he's answering the phone. Oh, I got to go back in. But I like they they kept it going as a runner, but they kept twisting it a little bit and piling on top of it. So on my, when I first watched the first episode again, I'm like, I don't know, that might be a little bit tired of a gag. But actuality, I think it was a, a nicely layered gag right there. And I like how they, they kind of pay it off a couple times towards the later episodes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I won't get into the, uh, and I won't, I won't get into the spoilers. Yeah, I mean, we're spoiling, you can a little bit if you want, but we'll get to them as they go along. Yeah, they made they made it cool, man, and, and yeah, I mean, it, everyone was different enough to where it was like you know it's the same thing, but it's but it's good enough to keep you, or it's not exactly the same thing, man. And then uh, there there were a couple of fireworks over there towards uh, towards the later ones with different uh, with different scenarios and whatnot. Yeah, and I got used to the character design. I think that's okay, but it was definitely a muted color palette, right? There's not a lot of a brighter contrast here. Everything's even most of the colors a little bit earthier or whatever. Nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't really pop, right? And I think maybe that turned people off a little bit. It's actually kind of nice when you watch it. If you're binging it, it doesn't hurt your eyes because it's not that, that brighter motion, that fast stuff. It doesn't, I don't mind it, but it took some getting used to, I think. It is kind of more subdued, which I think fits with the clerks, which was right, you know, in black and white. Yeah, oh, absolutely, dude. And I, I like that they went in that direction with that as far as like the uh, the the style of the animation for this. I think it looks like a comic book. I think if it was a clerk's comic book, it would look like this. It's not all the way black and white, but it's not like, you know, like you said, vibrant colors, no fucking vibrant colors. And I kind of dig it, man. I, I like the style, even even the even the uh, the the tracers, man, fucking tracer.
I thought, I thought that was a great way to bring it in, though, man. Because like when you first start watching the first episode, boom, that happens, and you're like, you want it to be kind of like Clerks, and that tells you it's going to be kind of like Clerks. Go, you know, the way you woke up goes to work, and then like the 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 comic, you know, aspect, animated aspect of, you know, what they can do with that. They these are the differences I was saying that you can't do with like real time, real life shit is the flow of customers and the you know just like hand out the money and shit and they, you know. Uh, do you guys vulcanize tires, man? You know, maybe you could pull that off, but the good runner again, another runner. This is well written in that there are a lot of jokes that are seated that come back around, which is way more common in animated shit now than it was when this came out 20 years ago. That was a little ahead of its time. It was stuff that South Park and The Simpsons were just doing. I believe Family Guy got in the air just before this. You know, King of the Hill was probably riding high. Yeah, Futurama was still out there. It was an interesting era in kind of you know that adult oriented animation and this was abc's attempt to get into it so that's why i recently uh uh referenced uh maybe a little bit of similarity to family guy because of the random i don't want to call them flashbacks but little flashes of other shit and it, like sticking with the story but boom just a little fucking one and then right back to it you know i guess that's the best way i can fucking describe that cutaway gags yeah cutaway gags is always kind of the you know and that's why south park famously lampoon family guy with the thing where it was just the the whales picking balls or whatever to make them at random that that always landed pretty well again you could say maybe clerks did it first here i, I like a lot of the setup here the whole leonardo leonardo bit Again, would have been nice to get Rick, but I think uh, Baldwin's great here. They definitely are doing a little bit of a South Park thing with Canada, making them kind of all weird and, and fucked up or whatever. I like the, the henchman dude. I forget his name, but Leonardo Leonardo's henchman. My exact note is he looks like a combination of Oddjob and Mr. Monopoly. Plug. It's plug, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's plug. You're right. Okay. My bad. And the whole quicker stop thing, I just they were kind of on to something. I especially like the gag where I believe it was a coffee shop that had a bookstore in it, and the bookstore had a smaller coffee shop within it, and that kind of shit exists now. They were a little <laughs> bit ahead of time. Some of the dumb jokes here are pretty good. Even the satellite thing, like they beam the shit out into space from one satellite dish to another, and they're just across the street from each other. Yep. It just, there's <laughs> a lot of good, just little gags like that. The maze of death I like. Just small stuff I thought was... It was just fun. I like the Maze of Death, dude, because there's always a Minotaur. Why is there always a Minotaur in a maze, dude? But uh, uh there was that. it's old trope. They won the safe door and then the other door. It's like the yeah. you know the box, but this could this could be anything. It's the Maze of Death. That's just the door. Yeah, we know what that is. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so I think they did a good job with the the little stuff and all that. And like you said, they, they gave you some feel of like all right, this is Clerks, but it's not quite there. And they again, I think commentary that stands up is when they try to go to the town hall meeting and explain why this is all bad. And they keep going through all the, they call it the phases or whatever. And then finally they get to like phase 37 or whatever it was. And there's one dude left. He's like, oh, you're right. This is terrible. We got to do something. And the guy doesn't even live there or whatever. Just the idea yeah. now that no one really wants to listen to nuance. That's actually something that lands now, which is kind of impressive for a series like this. I didn't really think, you know, there was stuff to that level until you think about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was kind of, that was good too, man. Because the dude was, yeah, last guy there, man. And he fucking like, no, I'm not even from here, man. I was just like, you know, whatever the fuck passing through. And then he just fucking dips out. <laughs> Nothing. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> 
Yeah, and the little shit that J- uh, I like the part where Jay and Silent Bob quit to go to the, the quicker mart now. Basically standing in front of the quicker mart. <laughs> and they, they do, again, good writing. They see the gag here of them trying to sneak in and everything, and then that'll come up in the next episode when they flash back to it. And again, ABC did them a real disservice by airing these out of order because then nothing makes sense if this one doesn't go first. Yeah, it, kind of. Speaking of first, did they say Robot Chicken before Robot Chicken came out? Because they did. I I was thinking I was thinking the same thing, dude. And even yep, the Robot Chicken. Now, here's the thing, man. When did Robot Chicken come out? We need to get down to the brass tacks here, man. I'm so gonna was, before right, I cheat and look. I'm going to say 2004. Oh four. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Oh, I'm gonna go with oh six, dude. Two thousand and five, February twentieth, two thousand and five was the oh, first official. Right in the middle, man. You said four. I said six. All right, so we we're pretty close. <laughs> but I do like when they quit, and then uh, when they came back at the end to get their jobs back. Silent Bob gives Jay like a little soapbox, like a little box to stand on in the the quick stop, so he can give his speech that they're now going to work there again. Yeah, I, I thought it might have been a fireworks box, but uh, it might have. But to, you know, standing on a soapbox, it doesn't have right. to be made of soap. But just the idea that. Just small stuff like that. You could tell that some care went into this. This wasn't your typical sellout, even though they do bring it up. I don't I don't think this was a full sellout situation by any means. Man, I don't see Kevin Smith doing something like that. You know, and that's another big thing about this is it's them. You know, I mean, that's at the end of the day, it's still like, I mean, the character, nobody else is mimicking these characters or trying to portray these characters, the main ones anyways. It's the, those guys doing it, you know? So, I mean, that's that's definitely a good positive right there. Yeah, overall, probably, you know, n- not the ideal. This wasn't, you know, the pilot of Game of Thrones or something, kind of come, you know, right out of the gate and rip your lips off or something. But I, I think it was probably solid enough. I do have to say one thing that I didn't love was the long title gag that kind of wore a little bit thin for me and not just saying that as a guy who had to write an outline with all these titles in it uh just as far as uh alternate titles something we like to do i like pay as you exit i think that would be a cool one and a little bit of a commentary on maybe selling out and also uh clerks burning hell which we saw on the sign and you could say like now they're sucking tv hell right they went from the movies into the tv hell yeah, I like that. Um, I like this. Looks like a bong. Yeah, and see, they did get that in. They couldn't sell drugs, but they could because smoke they cigarettes and talk about bongs. Yeah, Interesting, found... you know, uh, standards and practices, rules there, or what have you. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> uh, anything else in episode one before we go to episode two? No, I think it rounded out pretty well, man. And one thing I do like is the cool little things at the end of some of these episodes. Like, what's the, the first? old school 80s style shit, right? Where we used to get the G.I. Joe transform, like, you know. It, it, with Jay and Silent Bob or whatever. I thought that was really cool to throw those in there, man. Yeah, for, remember the first, was it, it was season one, maybe season two of South Park, where they used to do the live action little bits at the end of every episode? I remember seeing some of that. Yeah, shit, man. So that's, that's shit. I think that's what the kind of the callback is there. Somewhere, somewhere between the eighty shit and the South Park shit, probably. Next up is episode two, titled "The Clip Wherein Dante and Randall Are Locked in the Freezer and Remember Some of the Greatest Moments in Their Lives." Directed by Nick Filippi, story by Paul Dini, David Mandel, and Kevin Smith. 
teleplay by David Mandel and Kevin Smith, originally aired June 7th, 2000. Notable guest stars include Gwyneth Paltrow as herself and Gilbert Gottfried as Jerry Seinfeld. The brief episode summary is, Dante and Randall get locked in the freezer of the quick stop. There, they look back on their lives, primarily in clips from the same and previous episode, including foiling Leonardo's evil plans, working at convenience stores in the United Kingdom and India, and how Randall got them kicked off the real world, and their first meeting as children. Jay and Silent Bob also manage to get themselves locked in. Silent Bob eventually uses a crowbar to get them all out, only for Dante and Randall to become locked in the video store. In a parody of Stand By Me, an elderly Jay narrates what became of his friends following the events of the episode. And Soup, I know you're a bigger Stand By Me. I, I like it, but I know you're bigger into it than I am. Did you did this work for you here? Because you know it better than I do. So, absolutely, man. I thought it was a like you know it was one of those where watching this the first time you would have never expected something like that at the end. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh no shit, man, this is going to be a you know a Stand By Me thing. And uh, and it was cool, and it, and it's it hard to tell that it's Jay. Like you don't really know that it's Jay until you until it's until it's almost aware that it's Jay, just because of the way he changes the voice and everything. But I think, dude, I thought it was fucking brilliant, and it was it was a nice little fucking cherry at the end of that fucking episode, man. This is an interesting one because a this even though it was the second episode, it I believe it actually aired as the second episode, but the fourth episode aired first. So all the flashback gags don't work because that episode had never even actually aired. So this is definitely an instance of this show just being set up to fail. So why in the fuck did they make them fucking air? Why did they air it out of order? No, you know, I mean. Focus group shit, from what I can tell from the research, I think they just thought that was the strongest one and they would go with it. At least from a development standpoint, what I can gather is when they got this, adult animation was hot and ABC was in last place of the big networks. By the time this actually started to come out, ABC was in number one because of like millionaire and shit. Like remember who wants to be a millionaire when that was huge. And so they just didn't really give a shit about this thing. It was almost like, you know, a previous regime, like, Oh, you were the draft pick of that previous, you know, or that general manager. So great. If you can turn out, if you make it great, but we're not going to spend any more money. So they stopped promoting it and, you know, just kind of buried it. Uh, yeah. Well, again, it was partially, there was also a, a thing with ownership rights. Miramax owned the movie rights, but it was unclear who owned the TV rights, and it could have been a legal thing, so I think it just kind of got killed because have of all that. ever been aired out of order like that? Isn't that really just kind of like... Firefly famously got aired uh, pretty far out of order in their first season, which fucked them a little bit. It has happened. It it's, doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen to shows. Like, I remember on Fringe, there was a random episode like in a season where a character just was alive and normal when he had died, like a bunch of episodes previously because right. it was like a production contract thing or something like that. So it does happen, you know, again, not a huge deal here or anything, but I like the stand by me thing. I could tell I'm like, Oh, they're doing a thing, but I, I, I couldn't, I didn't, you knew, you knew instantly like, Oh yeah, that was, if you're not familiar with it, it is pretty spot, spot on to the end of stand by me, man, you know? So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, like, there's other, like, the guy, like, narrating, you know, the story of his younger self or something is kind of a trope, but it, that's definitely what they were going for there, 100%. You didn't know, if you don't know Stan by Me or whatever, you wouldn't know that that's what it was from, but, uh, you know, because it could just be the dude narrate, you know, like you said, but uh, but if you know Stan by Me, and then you're immediately like, oh, fuck, that's Stan by Me, you know? So. 
And the other big thing in this episode was the the Flintstones list joint. Basically, the you, you know that because we watched the DVD versions and it's in there. That was actually cut out of the network version. And not the greatest joke, but I I like I think today no one would even blink at that, not even for a second. No, and I think there were more questionable ones later on too, which we'll probably get to. But, right, uh, it, it's really <laughs> reversed now. Some of the stuff that they don't even think is a big deal is a bigger deal now. Whereas this, which was the biggest deal then, is something that no one would. And again, I don't think there's any. It's just a bad Flintstones joke, really. There's nothing. I, I don't think they intended it for it to say anything other than like, wouldn't it be funny if the Flintstones were this? And again, that's a little bit of the Family Guy of it all. Well, it was the thing on Shin- it was like a Schindler's List kind of thing, right, or something. Like yeah, that. the Flintstones List. Yeah, that was exactly what the gag was called, Flintstones List. I mean, you know, like anything, if comedy comedy's comedy as long as it's comedy, dude. You know, <laughs> right? Like that, not the greatest, but them making fun of uh, Ben Affleck, like, well, we only like him pre Reindeer Games. That was funny. Like that was a good one. Right. So, yeah, again, comedy, man. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the whole concept of them doing a flashback episode in the second episode? Is is that like I thought that was bold, if nothing else. It not only was it bold, but it was actually actually really well played because it started out with just a couple of flashbacks. I'm like, that just happened last week again. You know, so they're talking about the same thing that just like knowing that, oh, well, we're two, one episode deep. So let's flashback the episode, which is great. And the the walking with the rope and the plant hitting the thing comes, you know, it's a runner. They bring through. that back around. Right. So I think, again, you know, good job of seeding that here. I really think it's Jane Silent Bob throwing that fucking plant. But we'll find out, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I thought even the little flashback bit, they flash back to 1985 and you see like just Ronald Reagan walking down the road like, yeah, I'm Ronald Reagan. And then they look the same and, it, you know, Randall's like, oh, I can't believe we looked that way back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just little bits, the, the idea that they've locked themselves in the freezer multiple times and they can't remember how they got out. Yeah, and Dante's shirt changes or Randall's shirt changes every time. Um, what is it? One's... Uh... So there's one thing down with it's down with Saddam or down with Paul Reiser. Oh, and there's definitely two. Yep, yeah, it's there's a Saddam. There's two Saddam jokes and then a Paul Reiser joke. I think. Uh, okay, but yeah, maybe I mean, not so, in that order, right? Yeah, but like down with Saddam again. It's like down with Saddam, down with Saddam again, and then like yeah, down with Paul Reiser or something like that. Yeah. So again, they paid attention to detail like that, which is cool. I mean, I appreciate that kind of thing. So this thing, thing, I mean, that one's pretty obvious right in the front, but still, some people might not catch it, man. You know, but. And again, some of the smaller gags are, are pretty great. Uh, I like the idea that when they ask Silent Bob for his flashback, he just flashes back to that scene of them trying to walk up the thing on the rope again. Yeah. <laughs> like he just doesn't. He's laughing the whole time, man. I think he's throwing the fucking plant, dude. <laughs> That's fun. See, I like that take on it. I like that take on it. And the idea that when, uh, you know, Dante's losing his virginity in the car to Caitlin, Randall's there filming it. That's just weird. That's very Dennis Reynolds of it all. And, you know, again, that ties it into his character and Zach and Mary, man, because he's the film guy. He's the guy with the camera, man. So, hey, all in the universe there with the Kevin Smith shit. But to me, that made sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, just kind of then a lot of random runners after they get out of the. I do like the idea that they get out of the freezer and then go into the video store. And that must be some air conditioning in there. I would love to have air conditioning like that. They can get that that cold. And that's also another runner throughout the series that Randall just doesn't let people in the video store. 
It's like his own VIP area. That's a... I think it's hilarious that people were waiting uh, all day and it's damn near three in the morning, whatever the fuck. <laughs> and my baby's at home. Like, dude, you really? And he but... wants to open it up then so they get vampires and uh, doors. <laughs> he might have said hookers, but uh, it, it's a solid bit that, that Randall actually gets married to dudes twice in the episode. Like, I can't believe I married two guys in one year. The up yours, Matt Damon. You see Matt Damon changing his tire, and he's got like his Oscar on the roof of his car. You know, again, that's a shot at Matt Damon and Affleck in this episode. They're just having fun with it. And, right. and Ted Dancing, like they, like what are they? Who is anything against Ted Dancing? Ted, Ted Dancing seems pretty well, awesome never, these days. You never even see a character. You never even see an animated character of Ted Dancing. You know, he just he's just over there. Hey, yeah. But I'm saying, like, what the fuck, man? And uh, the burn ward gag was another good one. They have the burn ward to the worst burn ward, and then that comes back around at the end. Like the quick stop in England, the quick stop in India. Those feel again. You could say the Simpsons did it already, but I, I thought that that was fun to, just to get a version of that, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, it's stereotypical comedy, but uh, yeah, comedy based on stereotypes, and it's funny, dude. So what are you gonna do, man? You know, you just up yours, Matt Damon. That was just definitely, I got some Team America vibes right there. Just, uh, yeah, cutting up a little bit. Oh, oh, we got the priest. That was my only thought. I'm like, man, I wish they could have got George Carlin. Yes. <laughs> that would have been cool for like a little bit of a, a dogma uh, type. I know it couldn't be the same character or whatever, but it, it would have been a, a cool callback. This is one of my favorite stingers of the, like the Jane Silent Bob, uh, the more you know kind of uh, bits or whatever. Uh, this might have been my favorite. And remember, just because it rains doesn't mean you can't have a parade. What? Now take off your shirt. <laughs> and again, a little bit of a mouthful for the title. I'm mostly for an, an all-painter three-way. I think that would have been a great one. But I think this is right about the right time for the R. Kelly reference. You also got to go on with Trapped in the Freezer. I was just going to say Step into the Freezer. And then, in parentheses, Caesar with a tweezer. <laughs> Caesar with a crowbar. Yeah, crowbar to get out. Uh, anything else on episode two? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, I love that Silent Bob just has the crowbar in his in his uh, in his trench, man. But you know, it, I, it didn't even surprise me because even if that was real time movie or whatever the fuck, man, I would still expect him to have a crowbar in his fucking trench coat, even if it wasn't a cartoon. Because where do you get those wonderful, wonderful toys, toys, man? <laughs> nice small rat shout out most definitely that brings us to episode three leonardo is caught in the grip of an outbreak of randall's imagination and patrick swayze either does or doesn't work in the new pet store directed by chris bailey written by david mandel and kevin smith originally aired december 14th 2022 on comedy central notable guest stars include alec baldwin as leonardo leonardo james woods as major baklava Charles Barkley as himself, and Gilbert Gottfried as Patrick Swayze. The brief episode summary is, Quickstop is put under government control after Leonardo is said to have been infected with a deadly virus by a monkey at the new pet store next to RST Video, at which they find Patrick Swayze working. Unfortunately, Jay and Silent Bob steal the monkey so that they can teach it to smoke. The town of Leonardo is set to be destroyed unless Dante and Randall manage to stop the helicopter pilot from dropping a bomb. After Randall tells the pilot that Dante is gay, Dante is forced to state that he is gay on live television to save the town, which works in a rather ridiculous parody of the movie Outbreak. And soup, 
Did you see an outbreak before? Yeah, yeah. This was so. This definitely. works for you then. Do you think this would work if you hadn't seen outbreak? If you hadn't seen outbreak, it still would work, but you wouldn't understand some of the shit. Um, as it does, the ending doesn't work as well with having to talk the helicopter pilots out and everything. That feels like real specific. Hoffman's got to talk the guy down and shit and everything else. It's, and it's intense. Yeah, you get the Dennis Hoffman, like, uh, when, I like that earlier when Jay has, like, the equation in his head, the cartoon thing, and he sees the thought bubbles, like, X plus the monkey and equals right. the Dustin Hoffman. And then the bit where they can't get the rights to Dustin Hoffman, so they have to use El Pacino. I thought that was funny. They even, they even, they even added in, like, like overdub it later, the film starring. Yeah, El Pacino. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that was well done, man. But uh, yeah, Outbreak's a good fucking movie, man. And for those who haven't seen it, check it out. But um, uh, well played on that one, man. I mean, it definitely a full on fucking outbreak. The majority of this episode was a full on fucking outbreak. Uh, you know, whatever the fuck take. It was a take on outbreak. Funny shit here. Like they start with the the letters from the fans, right? One of them is from Kevin Smith's wife, and they throw it out right away. Uh, I thought that was a, a fun opener. Yeah, I like the whole runner with the discreto burritos and just how lazy Randall is. Like, it's the one day he's there. I was like, dude, you have one job, right? You just got to bring these burritos in. And Randall, like, oh, yeah, dude, I got He's out there watering his fucking chia pet and shit, dude. <laughs> On top of it. <laughs> Movie Randall would have a reason, right? Like, he's doing it for a certain reason. Here, it's just like he just doesn't give a fuck. He's just probably trying to collect both checks and, uh, yeah, the video store. I'm working at the video store and the store at the same time. Yeah. All he ever wants to do with it when it's done, he's like, I've been growing this chia pet all day. You ready to smash it? You know, I think that's how that would play it out. Oh, yeah. And then the this is one of the, you know, the first fourth wall breaks, probably, where they're kind of doing shit like that. And Dante's like, this isn't a TV show. And Randall's like, now who's being naive? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few of those throughout, man. I don't know how to ask this, and I don't know how to Google it. Would a monkey really masturbate out of fear? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I feel like they'd throw your shit in their hand and throw the poop at you, but I don't know if they would masturbate out of fear. Dude, I have run across some shit. Uh, I've never seen it live. It was probably that. I'm sure there's a fetish for it. I'm sure someone jumps out of a plane and... But dude, yeah, I've I've never seen it happen live, but it, but it happens at zoos. It happens like monkeys are known to fucking just start beating off at, at will. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't have. I don't think like a fucking monkey, but I know they beat off a lot, man, and I don't give a fuck who's in front of them when they do it. <laughs> Would this have been better or worse if this was actually based on the actual monkey from Outbreak? I guess it's it's animated, so you couldn't quite tell, but it would have been almost. If this were a real thing, it would have been way funnier if it was the actual monkey from Outbreak. Like, oh, it's the actor from the one thing. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's funny that Jay and Silent Bob are always trying to steal Monkey, and then they're still like... This is actually a nice setup for Strikes Back, I feel. (laughs) It is, it is. It's definitely a link, for sure, man. (laughs) All right, so we get two different kind of gag... I mean, there's multiple gags that run throughout, but there's two joints introduced here, I would say. You get Lando, right? It's called Pay Attention to Lando throughout the episode, and then you have the multiple different... Uh, official figures who show up dressed as Mayor McCheese, which yeah. is funnier to you, dude. I, I don't know. I think I, the McCheese thing definitely catches me more because he got the Hamburglar line, and that was just that was just real top. I think you can kill the grimace, dude. You know, will so, this administration ever bring the Hamburglar to justice, dude? 
Yeah, um, I thought that was definitely cool. Um, I would pay someone should start a Kickstarter for someone to ask like the president that, like in one of the debates or something. We need a Kickstarter for the pay someone twenty grand to ask. Well, listen, if your administration comes to power, will you ever bring the Hamburglar to justice? McDonald's would pay you so much for that. Or actually, did they retire the Hamburglar? Justice for the Hamburglar. We have to deliberate on that or whatever it is. Uh, figure that one out. You have to burgle it. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we see Dante's parents here too. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We do see Dante's. And they parents. seem like they're together and like regularish people. And I, and I'm not like completely shocked that you know I could see an older version of Dante in that position. Man, you know, almost looks like an older version of Dante. So the play, like I, I was, you know, I mean, I would believe that was Dante's parents, probably. You know, even from a fucking cartoon <laughs> similarities and whatnot. Yeah, and uh, I definitely thought that they set the bar pretty low on their last day to live, right? They just wanted, what, a cheeseburger with no ketchup? That was really random. Then then they have to go back to the drive-thru. That is so specific. That, that just strikes me as a writer that that happened to. That they, oh. they went to a drive-thru, that happened. They went back, and they got another one, and it happened again. And they were like, oh, fuck this place. They fuck you in the drive-thru, man, you know, and then you go back and they and they fuck you some more. You know, I mean, Pesci told us best in fucking Lethal Weapon, man. They fuck you in the drive-thru, dude. Dude, one of my buddies figured out a life hack back in the pre-cell phone whatever days. If you would just call, you know, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, and be like, yo, I was there. I just got home. I opened my shit. Like, it's fucked up. They'd be like, I'll give you your name, whatever. They just put it on the list by the drive-thru. Like, just come back in order and tell us you're on the list or whatever. And some people would just do that then. You would just call in and be like, yeah, you fucked up my shit. And then you yeah. get on the list and you can drive through your free shit. It doesn't work anymore, but back in the day, you could. You I'm know. sure they caught on to that by now. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work now. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really want, I, I'd prefer the cheeseburger without ketchup probably, but that was, they were very insistent on it. Well, you have to, you know, I get it, man. Last day you go through and you want the one thing you want. You want the one thing. Fucking ketchup on it. And I don't fucking like ketchup anyway, so I would have been mad too. But I love it. The dude's like, well, I can't just wipe it off. You know, and like, you know, doing what I do and shit, I'd, I, that's pretty fucking bold. Like if there's a tomato on there, maybe I'd be like, well, just fucking take it off, dude. You know what I mean? But ketchup or sauce, man, you can't just wipe that shit off. Dude. It's still going to be there. Yeah, you especially know? if it's on the bud. Or yeah. the meat, real or the lettuce. Yeah, there's very few. It would have to be on cheese that was not really melted for you to maybe be able to get it off. That's probably the only way. Like a slice yeah. of cheese that wasn't really melted. Maybe you can. That's your only option. Yeah, you can't take off a fucking sauce. It's like uh, you know, it's like trying to. You can't take salt out of a fucking. Once you put it in there, it's fucking in there. That's what she said. <laughs> so it is what it is, man. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a pretty fun one overall. The bit with the monkey was pretty funny. I did like the first bit where the monkey tries to smoke and then just, you know, falls over. And Jay's like, yo, try the lights. Like, really, like, moving from uh, the cowboy killers to the to the Marlboro lights was going to make a difference. And, yeah, apparently it did, because he's out there blowing smoke rings and shit here in a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, he really was. Like, I wasn't thrilled that, you know, they basically did the whole, I don't mind the outbreak parody, but making it all about... Dante have to say he was gay. I mean, it 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 was kind of as lighthearted as it can be, but that's one that probably doesn't age as well. Now there would have been a different through line to it. If nothing else, it would have been like uh the then their boy like Randall and Dante have to pretend to be boyfriends or something. And it would have been on both sides instead of maybe Randall getting one over on him. 
Right, right. And, you know, that's it could go either way, dude. It wasn't know? done in a hateful way or anything like that. It's just not the funniest punchline, probably. You yeah, know what I mean? No. You go to all that thing for the speech, and then that, that's more, that felt like, you know, a real 90s joke, I guess, kind of. I did like the, the button here where Jay beats up Charles Barkley. I thought that was both pretty random and pretty funny. Yeah, he did kick the shit out of Charles Barkley, and I do like that. I do like that Barkley keeps coming back for this man, you know. And it's actually him, which is even cooler. So he's on board for this, which is which makes it, you know, multiple. Yeah, NBA players were were here for this one. Well, he keeps coming back, and he just keeps getting fucking. He just keeps getting like fuck out of here, Charles Barkley. You know, that's the vibe. Oh, and <laughs> the the payoff to the kind of the Lando runner at the end, like they keep. Cut like oh Lando 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 at the end they're like oh Lando you finally get to like say your thing or whatever and he starts to talk and they're like nah so Lando now that this is all done what's on your mind all right here we go fellas I I thought this one maybe was one of the best ones as far as uh, alternate titles I like Saltwater Toilet that also sounds like is that like a Tool cover band or is that I don't know, man. Saltwater Toilet definitely sounds like a band name. It'd also be a, a good episode name. Uh, Nothing Can Kill the Grimace. Another good one. Want to go check out the monkey? Uh, shock the monkey. Um... <laughs> uh, Ghost Point Break. That would be the, the <laughs> name of the horse. Because his yeah. first name was uh, Ghost and his last name was Point Break. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Roadhouse later, too. Um, that must be his middle name. But, uh, yeah, fucking... Uh, the Horse well, of Many Names. Yes, the horse of many names. Swayze's horse of many names. Lando's dog watching service, or Lando's doggy da- Lando's doggy daycare. Lando's doggy daycare. I'm not sure if that's a porno or a t-shirt, but both are interesting options. <laughs> Anything else on episode three? Um, uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> Next up is episode four, a dissertation on the American justice system by people who have never been inside a courtroom, let alone know anything about the law, but have seen way too many legal thrillers. Directed by Stephen Lauder, story by Stephen Luckner, teleplay by Stephen Luckner, David Mandel, and Kevin Smith, originally aired May 31st, 2000. Guest stars include Judge Reinhold as himself, Kenny Maine as himself, Dan Patrick as himself. Charles Barkley is himself, Grant Hill is himself, Reggie Miller is himself, and Michael Buffer is himself. The brief episode summary is, Randall is left in charge of the quick stop as part of a bet between him and Dante. Jay sues the quick stop for $10 million after slipping on Randall's spilled soda. Randall is Dante's lawyer for the case, while Judge Reinhold presides, and several NBA All-Stars are members of the jury. Randall ends up doing more harm than good, putting Dante at the mercy of the courtroom. Before the verdict of the case can be announced, a disclaimer informs the audience that the script for the remainder of the episode was lost, and a new ending was written by the Korean animators. The episode ends with a series of non-sequiturs and various kind of English dialogue. An interesting one, I I never quite got, it felt like this was something where maybe one storyline got cut out or something, because it I want to hope that there was more of a reason for them to have all the NBA players in the jury than the, just the joke you get at the end where it's just the WA NBA player, the WNBA players in the all-star game and everyone's sad. Like that's just, that's just not a great joke. I did like the idea that if you've ever seen South park, there's Cartman land 
where minor South Park spoilers incoming five, four, three, two, one. Cartman gets a bunch of money, so he decides to buy a failing theme park and then not let anybody else in so he can just ride the rides. But to keep the theme park open, he has to gradually start letting people in. And eventually the idea that no one can get in makes it super popular. Here, Randall only allows three customers to rent per day. Not because they only have three customers, but because he only lets three in. What did you think about that whole bit, Soup? I thought that was very Randall. It was one of the most Randall things. It was extremely Randall. And uh, the, <laughs> the part of it that maybe wasn't so Randall was hiring a hiring a door guy. You know, I don't see him hiring a door guy, but I think that was a good take on it, man. So, uh, you know, and then they they played off it with the whole like line into line to kind of get into a club or whatever, you know. And then, uh, you know, that was a pretty cool twist on it. But uh, but but yeah, it was it was well played, man. It almost feels like something that would have been on Jackass or something back in the day. Like you just want to go return your videotape, but there's a there's a you know a red like the little velvet ropes and a, and a bouncer and sunglasses. Like nope. Right. Can't return your tape it, yet. It kind of blows my mind that there's such that uh, there's such that of a de- that big of a demand for for fucking uh, video rentals there. And at uh, this and- point, this was definitely DVDs were kicking off when this came out, 100. <laughs> percent Right. And uh, you saw the the idea the the premise. All right, like they're going to switch jobs. This is a pretty common sitcom thing. What have you? But I like the early way they went with it, where the the surgeon or whatever shows up. So they go in and they go to the, you know, they do the surgery and then they come out. And that was a lot like the uh, funeral scene from Clerks when they just oh, you get the brief shot coming out of the funeral home. You get the brief shot of them coming out of the hospital and then they go into the actual trading of the jobs. Uh, I, I thought that was cool. Anything yeah. on the whole idea of being, uh, you know, uh, pronounced officially the king of, you know, the quick stop or whatever. That was something. Well, and neither one of them could do the balloon angioplasty. You know, I mean, that was pretty well uh it was pretty well explained but uh no i thought that was perfect for an episode man and it's something that uh you're immediately going to be interested in as far as uh you know it's a good take and if you're fans of the of these guys or the show or anything you're going to want to see this one you know maybe they took randall too far my guess was this was all so that he could get into a courtroom where he was a lawyer and then get the movie makers on the stand and get his money back right Again, South Park did a very a, definitely a version of this before, where they tried to get their their money from Mel Gibson, right? They tried to get their money back for I think Passion of the Christ. So there's a little bit of that here, but I thought that was his plan, right? Because otherwise, it it doesn't track unless Randall had a plan. But they never really actually set you down and say like this was the plan. Maybe I don't know. It, it seems like Randall might not have the capacity to really think this out that deep into the future and actually execute it that way. I think a lot of shit just kind of falls into his lap when things happen like this. But he kept following the lawyer who didn't want to take it. Remember, he follows him everywhere. And he seems bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. I, so, right. Just to fuck Dante over, that doesn't really make sense, right? I mean, right. Why would there he... had to be another level to it. And I think maybe something that got cut for time or they just didn't. I think there's probably one scene or a couple of lines they could have said that would have like paid it all off and made it like a cool twist or something like that. Maybe like maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity or something. Not looking back at the whole, like the way he stalked the lawyer and shit, he really wanted to, there was something there. You just wanted to know why. And I thought it was a deeper meaning. And so that's what I came up with was, you know, cause he gets George Lucas and Steven Spielberg up there and gets his money back. So that's right. what I thought the end game was. And the, but he just never tells Dante be like, oh no, you're on your own for the rest of your defense, pal. I got what I wanted. And you see him counting the money or something. That would have been the you know, Randall being Bugs Bunny or something like that, maybe. Yeah, he sticks with it though, man. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, this one, this one was weird from from that point on because of the way it ended. You know, I like the I like the idea where it almost like at first you think it's going to be like a clue kind of ending. Well, here's what happened, and here's what happened. But then what even made it cooler was Axel Foley shows up, dude. And yeah, the jam- banana the tailpipe ending was not bananas, dude. Jam- was not something I had forgotten about it. As the jury reached a verdict, hold it, Billy. I need your help, man. All right, Axel. I'm sorry, we're all out of bananas. Nor did I remember that Judge Reinhold is playing himself as a judge here, which he's going to do about two years after this came out in Arrested Development again where he does a, a mock jury with or mock trial with Judge Reinhold. That's just wild that he has not only once but twice gotten a job as a judge off of his name being Judge, which I think is yeah, just hysterical. I, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for him to be the next, like, uh, what's the other ones on the, like, the Judge Judy or whatever the fuck. Yeah, there's been a lot of Judge Mathis. There's been a lot of retirements, a lot of movement on that, that front. Judge Reinhold, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely, this is not the first time someone slams on the phantom menace the first star wars prequel that comes up again so i don't know if that was kevin smith or not but that definitely feels like a runner here somebody had you know a beef with and we probably appreciate the jfk parody more than some other generations like remember seinfeld doing it with like the second spinner and everything that was a whole thing to parody i think snl did a join on that but if you're not of that age where you've really seen jfk it might not land as hard but i thought that was that was fun yes yeah definitely man yeah and i guess i'll also say just the the end version of this it felt like they just didn't quite know how to end it i think that leads back to like it not being randall's grand plan or something and they just kind of winged it with the dream stuff or whatever which was funny but just i think this could have been a really great episode like they were almost there you know what i mean they were on the they were edging they were edging and they just didn't quite crossover it reminds me a little bit kind of 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 south park how they always said like oh well if we can't figure it out we'll just blame the crab people and then they finally had the crab people ending and their their uh dvd commentary for that one was always hysterical like yep well we fucking did it man it's fucking crab people what are you gonna do and i had no problem with the way it turned out i just think that there was a chance this could have been like the episode that really got people into it it just missed just a touch and you know they were that close, man. They were that close. Yeah, I think they should have continued maybe with the whole, like like I said at first, it kind of feel, felt like a clue where they're going to go with this way or this way or whatever the fuck. Right, if it's not a grand plan, then show maybe everybody had their own plan or something. And then, you know, meanwhile, it was all Judge Reinhold, like, controlling the strings. And that was funny at the end that uh, he wound up as the manager of the quick stop. If that would have been the whole idea, then he's like, oh, no, I make way more for being manager of the quick stop than I do working as a judge that would have paid it off or something, right? Like something like that. I thought that something like that would be kind of fun. Or or he's not even supposed to be there today. You know, that might have even been cooler. <laughs> Seriously, if he was, see, that would have been, you don't want him to do that every time. But in six episodes, I feel like you could get one or two. I'm not even supposed to be here today from other characters. Yeah, and you get it and that would, a judge would be a good one. Right. The yeah. idea that another judge, like, oh, his wife just went into labor or something. 
Right. And I, and I, you know, I did like some of the anime shit or whatever it is towards the end there. It was, it was cool because it's trippy and weird, but, uh, and I like that they incorporated the double banana up the, up the, up the fucking what the fuck's ass, you know, with, with Foley. And- yeah. All the extra Foley stuff definitely worked. Just when they brought it in, like they, they didn't quite have the rights to, I'm, I'm assuming, use Eddie Murphy's likeness of the axle left, but it still worked for me. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know why he went in that direction, but uh, you know, it was entertaining enough. But just like, yeah, I mean, it felt like it could have ended better. But capping it off with with uh, Judge Reinhold in the in the quick stop, I think it was great. You know, yeah, they really, I think, nailed the stingers all the way through. And uh, as far as uh, titles on this one that we could use instead, again, big mouthful here. I like officially in charge. Uh, Black jury probably is. I don't know. Maybe there's some connotation, but. It could also be a bad jury or, you know, or a black comedy. I don't know. Like there's other connotations, I think, here. NBA jury, maybe. I don't know. That would definitely good job getting all these NBA players to do just a couple of lines, really. If you could get like, uh, he's heating up, but you'd have to have it in that voice. Oh, we've talked about this before. That's uh, the, the dude who does that, the NBA jam dude. He's done a lot of shit and he is great. And I forgot his name. I should not name anything else on four um yeah i think uh i think i I think we wrapped it up on four man episode five is dante and randall and jay and silent bob and a bunch of new characters and lando take part in a whole bunch of movie parodies including but not exclusive to the bad news bears the last starfighter indiana jones and the temple of doom plus a high school reunion directed by Nick Filippi, written by Brian Kelly. Notable guest stars include Alec Baldwin as Leonardo Leonardo, Michael McKean as Professor Ram and the creepy old guy, and Charles Barkley as himself. And the brief episode summary is Dante and Randall attend their high school reunion, where Randall discovers that he has the ability to turn women into lesbians, and Dante is accosted by his old baseball team because they don't remember him, although Dante was the coach that helped them win the championship game. Leonardo decides to let Dante manage this Little League team. The team is on a losing streak until the inclusion of Jay and Silent Bob, as Jay is still technically in the fourth grade for being held back so many times, so he can play. At least I say so. Meanwhile, Randall is put into slave labor after beating the high score on an old video game. Dante and the baseball team discover Randall while searching for the baseball team they have been scheduled to play, which turn out to have been these children who were enslaved to work in the mines. And they proceed to play the game and, of course, beat the very malnutritioned and tired children. This was an interesting one. This is, I think, the one that felt the most Looney tunes to me, but I, I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for that. Yeah, I mean, this one was good, dude. And I liked, uh, I think, the high points of this episode were the references with the Temple of Doom and you know, uh, a couple other things. Yeah, the like minecart stuff, the the Temple of... The, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think I'm there for that, man. The Temple of Doom stuff with the minecarts, that all felt pretty accurate. I mean, we've seen the video game plot before. That really didn't work for me. I, I think the idea was, oh, he's got to move the blocks. It's funny. But then they never really... Does he start moving the blocks? He, they whip him for not doing it, and then he's doing something else. Again, nitpicking here, just... Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of that didn't really make sense when it went into it, but I think the 
the the lead the the way into this was like you know we found her and started playing it again and a, a chick instead which is kind of fucked up but hey man to each his own he became the pharaoh man and uh you know and the other chick became a lesbian just before him so there's something there i'm trying to remember my seinfeld was it george turned a woman into a lesbian and then kramer brought her back Oh, there was something. There was something, man. I feel that was it. It, it just feels that, it, again, it very early 2000s way to go with this. They're not saying there's anything wrong with it. I, the actual joke is that Randall is just so terrible that he is literally turning women off of men. I, I think that's really at Randall's expense, so I don't you know, think there's any problem with it. I do like that... Uh, uh, Leonardo Leonardo runs everything and he likes to, you know, if you have a company, it's easier to have them do multiple things. You don't want to just have them do one thing, right? You, it's easier if they can do multiple things. And so Leonardo Leonardo has Leonardo's plumbing and heating escort service. So they can, you know, they can check your pipes. They can heat you up and, you know, do the escort thing. And I mean, it's all one thing. They just rolled it all into one, man, you know, but it's a sense of fucking letter, man. So, uh, He's a billionaire, but he's a cheap bastard, man. I love the bit where, you know, when they finally get Jay to play in the games, you just see Silent Bob still running behind him. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was hilarious, too, man. That felt Charlie Brownish to me. I Maybe maybe that's because of the Charlie Brown baseball scenes, but that was my note. I'm like, oh, like he's a line of it or something like that. <laughs> and the bit when he, uh, oh, the message in the bottle, you think that's kind of going to pay off, maybe, and then it doesn't? That was a fun little bit. I like the animation on that. I thought that was one of the better animation segments of the entire run. Yeah, I thought it was cool that he wrote it in blood with a fucking pricked finger and shit. But uh, on his t-shirt, like yeah, the, the, uh, it ruined your t-shirt, t-shirt too. T-shirt. Oh, sorry, I ruined your t-shirt, man. <laughs> I thought that was definitely pretty funny, man. Um, the other thing was, uh, oh, was it Randall's? Um, shit. Well, there's the whole bit that. When he first gets there, and the Asian chicks are like, oh, you know, uh, we can do whatever. And he asks them for porn mags or whatever, and then at the end, he's turned them into lesbians as well. Yeah, he, he asks, uh, you know, he, he asks them for porno mags, and they're like, yeah, you don't need no porno mags, man. We're here to do whatever you want. He's like, no, nah, let me get some porno mags instead, or, you know, and then, and then I want porno mags with Asian chicks in them. This dude is not getting it, man. You wonder why he's failing in life, you know, like, he really is a little bit, yeah. That, uh, but yeah, I mean, he missed it. He missed it earlier in this episode too. So this is why Randall has a problem getting laid and why he's hooked on porn. Because fucking, you know, he goes to he, he, the one chick's definitely gonna fuck him. He goes in there and finds the Pharaoh game and is like, fuck off. And now she's, you know, hung, hanging out with the lesbian chicks, which is fine. But uh, but 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 the cards are off the table for Randall now. And then he goes into the fucking other place. And these chicks are like, we'll fuck you. And there's three of us. And he's like, no, nah, just give me some porno mags. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, somehow, you know, Dante gets all of them and uh, Randall just pushes them away. Maybe that's why Dante gets all of them. It's one of them, you know, magnet things. I did like, again, at the end, you get the uh, the Star Wars, the Force Ghost thing, and Charles Barkley kind of shows up there. Again, nice that Charles Barkley, again, just playing himself, showing that good sense of humor that'll serve him all these years later when he's, you know, one of the biggest dudes in sports broadcasting and shit now. Uh, another one with some good alternate episode title uh, alternatives here. I like Grease Thunder, just the way I like my thighs. Uh, the Baddest Kid in the Fourth Grade. The Ultimate Male. 
bad meat. There's a lot of a lot of good ones here, man. And the ultimate mail is that a callback to the Mulrats callback? The ultimate mail. I think it's a fashionable mail, the, but, but it uh, feels like it could have been the ultimate mail is just an upgrade from the fashionable mail. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna open up a store right across the street. <laughs> yeah, it's like Macy's and Strawbridge's or whatever. I forget whatever the the order of the department stores, but like from the one to the you know from the the Sears to the Macy's or something. I guess it's all the Sears. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy because you know you always have I don't know what everybody else has in their towns or whatever, but we have CVS and Walgreens, and they're always right next to each other, man. Like I've seen them on corners, like kitty corner to each other. Like they're always right next to each other. It's, damn dude you can't space these i can't find a fucking gas station but there's fucking cbs and walgreens on all these corners man yeah i once encountered a shopping plaza you know just one shopping plaza you can walk around it with two different wells fargo branches like they're two of the same bank in the same plaza like right there i mean like hundreds of yards apart coffee shop with a bookstore in it that has another coffee shop in the bookstore (laughs) <laughs> so then your friends can be my friends and we can be friends we can hang out in the coffee shop in the bookstore in the coffee shop yeah <laughs> love michael mckean better called saul and everything but more minor parts here with like creepy dude and uh the professor guy well how do you feel about the temple of doom take they even do the rip the heart out scene you know so i, I like that... the guy put it we put it back then right he was upset he put like, it back. Uh... this ain't gonna work now he jams it back in dude and then dude's like okay that's kind of cool um i thought that was all right man you know i'm no... almost more interested in, in the fact that of all the indiana jones movies they decided to parody temple of the doom because uh, we talked about it with our other various friends and if i'm if i remember correctly that's your favorite indiana jones movie right it is. It is. I love Temple of Doom, dude. I mean, it's uh. So you have something in common here with Kevin Smith, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, no time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've listened to a lot of Kevin Smith, and I cannot tell you what his favorite Indiana Jones flick. I would guess it's Raiders, but it might be Temple of Doom. Wouldn't surprise me. We'll have to get to the bottom of this, man. <laughs> yeah, well, the the bottom of this is episode six, the last episode ever, and by far the shortest episode title, directed by Steve Lauder. Written by Kevin Smith and David Mandel. Originally aired December 14th, 2002 on Comedy Central. Main guest stars include Alec Baldwin as Leonardo Leonardo, Kevin McDonald, and Mark McKinney as the Pinheads. The brief episode summary is Dante and Randall work inside the quick stop, discussing various things after being told that they need to make the show more similar to the original Clerks. Meanwhile, outside, Dante is supposed to have a date with Caitlin Bree, Jay and Silent Bob go to a fair where havoc ensues. Walt and Steve Dave need stuff. Leonardo Leonardo finds a soccer team on his roof. And Dante keeps getting called by a guy who wants to show him the truth about the Matrix. Eventually, due to a phone call unknowingly made to the president, the army surrounds the quick stop and the president is attacked by hookers and vampires who are enraged to find RSD video closed. And Dante and Randall finally go outside where the animators put them in various awkward situations until it is revealed that Jay is the one behind it all. He's a guy with a mastermind, man. So, uh, you know what? I think they I think they knew this was coming, though. Obviously, by titling it the final episode ever or whatever the fuck, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he was in for the one season deal. And uh, I don't think I don't think they 
thought it was going to take off, you know, from here. I would have honestly liked to have seen more of these, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that later. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as far as knowing that this is the last episode, you kind of know it's the last episode, you know, and I liked what they did with this one. So, yeah, interesting that you could say maybe they bite the hand that feeds them a little bit. They made the jokes about Comic Con on the side, they're like, yeah, the. You know, oh, there might be a naked girl, but not guaranteed to appear or whatever. And uh, random shots at like uh, David Spade, Seth MacFarlane, uh, uh, The Matrix, kind of. I mean, yeah. Alan Thick, if he's the guest of honor, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And R.I.P. Alan Thick, uh, we're just having, you know, we're not uh, saying anything bad. Uh, we all like the growing pains. The show, the show, yeah. Um... Yes, yes, the show. <laughs> Definitely not the actual writing boner in your underwear or whatever. <laughs> dude named boner man that's awesome uh anyway yeah this one probably if anything struggles with they threw too much at it right maybe knowing it was the last episode in the fact that originally i think they pitched this as 13 and they only got a six episode order with abc so like the whole matrix thing feels like a bit on top right it doesn't really pay off in a great way than the star 69 to the president, which I guess is fine, but they could have got there. And so now again, you kind of have the second quarantine thing in six episodes. Well, I feel like the matrix thing that they did in this one, if they were going to do something with it, then cool. But if not, then don't tease it the whole time. Like once or twice might be better enough. You know, it's like, it didn't make sense. Cause then they start 69. So the president was calling them. I mean, it, they never really, I, I never quite got that really. I did like how, you know, on the good writing side, uh, Randall is a little bit, oh, I want to keep the video store open late at night to cater to the uh, vampire and hooker crowd. And then later, the the, the president and them get attacked by the vampires and hookers. Yeah, and the fucking video store wasn't fucking open, man. So, you know. Cards on the table. We see the carnies that come over. The one carny with the tie looks just like the Chuli's gum dude. I'm assuming that's who he was supposed to be on some level, because otherwise, why would a carny wear a fucking tie? And then the other dude just like, yo, you got black tar heroin? Yeah. <laughs> that guy has been to New Jersey before. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, Chuli's gum dude, man. I mean, apparently, they, uh, you can't really just go around trying to sell gum all day using props and shit and throwing cigarettes at people so that probably his business probably didn't work out and i could see him joining the fucking circus and or whatever and becoming a carny man you know and uh i i kind of like this episode because they kept going over there and then like dante could never get out and caitlin breeze involves and shit you know so this was kind of a suspenseful episode you know oh and the brazilian soccer team the matrix that's what i mean it feels like they just had all these extra plot lines so they dumped them all in yeah it, yeah. it just felt like almost a little bit too much and it didn't if it was going to be that frantic and that involved it should have some ultimate payoff and i mean it was fine it just didn't really all come together in the end it might almost be like you know kevin smith you know might have been like hey man i have all these other ideas we got to cram it into one let's do it like this a circus comes to town a circus comes to town and we just fucking put all these side stories here's a here's what we were going to do on this or here's an idea that i had here and you know just introduce it and then just be done with it and blame it on the fucking circus man you know? oh i think you're more right than you know and i think that's even illustrated here when they towards the end they get super meta and they kind of go they break the fourth wall and they go into the writer's room and you just see like the the trash uh, can on the floor with bad ideas and it's just overflowing 
with things. And Kevin Smith is there. I think Scott Mosher's there. A couple of the writers just they. I think again. I think this was a show that was that was on the edge. Like they, if they were given a little bit more time to figure it out, it, this is a two part episode. Because there's stuff there. I mean, the whole bit with playing soccer against a Brazilian team and then they get turned into vampires, the FBI, you could have brought James Woods back. You know, there's so much you probably could have done here. And we're not even getting into the fact that if uh, Randall could be Steven Tyler, you know who he'd bang? Liv Tyler. Oh, yeah. This could have been a good way into like a season two, you know, that we didn't get. Yeah, cliffhanger or something then. I mean, you get the shot at Seth MacFarlane again. You know, right when he shows up in the writer's room there and he basically, you know, pitches the, the flashback idea. So I guess that's them maybe saying that, yeah, we did come up with that first. It just shows that there's so many ideas here. Another, you know, they go back at the Star Wars prequels again. Like the one dude's got like no Darth Mauls, please, when he's doing the cosplay. And then those dudes who get the shit, they're like, yo, is that safe? And then they, you do hear that they set themselves on fire and shit. There's a lot of good shit here. That you mentioned, right? The escalating Caitlyn shit. That, oh, she's cheating with a guy. Now she's kissing every dude whose name starts with J. Now she's just kissing everybody. And I mean, you know, what's that? Two painters, man. <laughs> she really, I, I think she'd moved on before then. I, I think Dante's the one who just. <laughs> I was a little surprised that they went back there because otherwise everything could exist in harmony with the cart- with the actual original movie and the cartoon, except for the Caitlin Bree stuff. Or you just have to assume, I guess she's just cool again after fucking the dead guy? Well, you know, how long are you going to stay in therapy for, man? Unless you're fucking straight up fucking catatonic. Or, you know, you know, and they're probably going to kick you out eventually. You know, so maybe she got, maybe, you know, maybe she fucking just was like, all right, fine, I fucked the dead dude, you know, what am I going to do about it? You know, and came to grips with that, and now she's just out there going wild now, dude. <laughs> At the carnival, uh, what do you think of the final reveal? It seems like, oh, it's going to be a writer thing. It's kind of a Looney Tunes thing we've seen before where Bugs gets, you know, written in and out of different scenes. I thought that was pretty cool, the Gilligan's Island stuff, Caddyshack, that kind of thing. But then at the end, it's a Jay is kind of the writer. Any thoughts on that kind of being the, the final scene that we get? Yeah, you know, I was just as surprised to see Jay be the narrator at the end of the fucking episode two with the Stand By Me thing. As I was to see uh, the this here, you know, because like, ah, you know what? And I love that because now it's like, you know what, man? Jay's not as fucking, uh, you know, as, as fucking stupid and shit as people think, man. He's got more of a deeper purpose than people think, even though it comes off as, uh, what do they call him sometimes? The fucking chucklehead or whatever the fuck, you know. So he, like maybe, I mean. Uh, you know, but uh, but I like to see him have a little bit of a, oh shit, man. Like, a, like, a, like an intelligent kind of, I don't want to say dark side, but intelligent, like, you know. Yeah, certain fucking what now? I don't even have the fucking word, dude, but damn it. Street smart. I mean, he knows what he needs to know. Yeah. He's not no berserker, dude. I mean, I don't know what he said, but that shit's fucking crazy. This dude's a character, man. <laughs> they make him fuck. And uh, as far as alternate titles for this one here, you know, this is actually obviously the best title not only because it's the shortest but you know last episode ever definitely wound up working out whether that was a self-fulfilling prophecy or not uh as far as alternates here uh i liked uh more like the movie and naked girl not guaranteed to show nice i like those dude i was 
Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of something along the lines of more like the movie. I had something else. Uh, I had something else in mind, but I guess I rode I, a pony, dude. I rode a pony, little genuine not, shirt. Not quite a donkey show. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a one. No soul and a black heart, dude. <laughs> that definitely sounds like Metallica trying to get their groove back in 2022. Like no soul and a black heart. And I think they do reference the donkey show at some point in this series. Yeah, and apparently that's actually great segue. Just before we get to the rankings, anything else we want to talk about? And uh, what I was just going to say there is apparently in the original script for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, there were multiple references to the animated series, which would have made it, you know, officially canon, but that didn't quite happen. So theoretically, all I'm saying is this supposedly still happened. Like all these events happened to Dante and Randall in Clerks 2 and Clerks 3. Right. You know, and I would like to see a little bit more clarity on how that's all incorporated. But yeah, I could see it, you know, looking back, putting the pieces together or whatever, you know, in the in the spaces between or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, man. I think that something to smooth it out would have been cool. Like maybe something in between this and... Uh, and one of the other movies or something, or even a or even a season two of this, you know, would would help with that. But yeah, a little uh, baby formula and laxative, so to speak. Smooth it yeah, up. Yeah, something like that. But either way, man, after watching the shit, I really, you know, I mean, I've been feeling kind of weird, dude, and things have been things have been kind of fucking with me as far as like, you know, like I just kind of just feel a little bit off or whatever, man. I think looking around, everything looks a little bit different, man. So for some reason I think I might be turning into a fucking cartoon, man. And these guys here have turned into fucking cartoons. And I feel like, you know, everything, the way it looks and shit, I might be in a fucking cartoon world. Maybe I just, uh, you know, drank the wrong uh, tea out of the fridge or something. But uh, right now I feel like a cartoon. Hey, you eat the one that says big or little. I forget. It's been a, a minute since I read through the looking class. And again, there are some South Park parallels here. And apparently if the this had kept going... Ben Affleck was going to voice a recurring character that was supposedly the king of Canada. What do you think about Ben Affleck as the king of Canada? And, uh, you know, I like I, I like the whole incorporating the but why I don't understand why everybody always makes fun of the Canadians so hard, dude. You know, I mean, South Park does it. The, the I mean, I'm guessing this is Kevin Smith doing it from a fun place because he went to film school in Canada. Uh huh. You know what I mean? I don't think he's doing it to be a dick. I just think, again, it, it feels very South Parkian, especially because they have the whole Can- Canadian Prime Minister like, oh, I'm not your buddy guy. I'm not your guy, buddy, and all that. Yeah, it, it does It does feel a bit, it does have that South Park vibe to it, man. I think earlier on, where it was like, it might have been like the first episode or something where he calls, or the Canada calls him, or, or Leonardo, Leonardo, or whatever. It is, because he has a fucked up desk and shit. But they're all, but he has them like totally, like, I, I don't know, like, like fighting, like, they don't know what rain is. Like, oh, it's just rain or something, you know. So it has a very, very primitive uh, aspect at that point. And I, I just don't see the connection there, you know. So that was something that I was like, yeah, I didn't really get, you know. As far as uh, another, like, I guess negative out of this. Um, I don't know how we got onto this track, but it's probably my fault. But anyway, the other thing that didn't sit super well with me, not that it bothered me really, but I just think it was kind of like poorly played or whatever was the whole opening sequence with the challenger, just uh fucking blow up thing. Like, um, you know, I mean, I, I get it, but is that something you really want to laugh about? You know? Yeah, that's yes. I, that was in my notes as well as that was just, 
ill-conceived, really. I don't know. It wasn't. There's no benefit to that joke. It's not. Ed, it's not really. Ed, it's just. Yeah. Not it could have been, could have been any other '80s fucking something that probably would have been better than that. You know, like. Yeah, you could fake, invent something else. That's uh Yeah. Don't really love that one. Um, as far as other stuff, like originally. UPN was willing to give them 13 episodes that were guaranteed to air in long story short, corporate politics. They wound up going to ABC for six episodes with no guarantee of airing. So they obviously had ideas for other episodes, including uh, Randall buying Kit from Knight Rider. And then Kit gets jealous of Randall's relationship with Dante and tries to kill Dante and impersonate him and uh you know he, he fools everybody but dante and silent bob i i thought that was a pretty fun one uh another one jay joins a boy band and uh silent bob is sad that jay is gone so randall and dante bring silent bob to work at the quick stop and he, he turns around he makes it a success and silent bob gets a piece of gum and he says mm, juicy fruit and they're like oh shit you can talk and that's kind of like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest thing. And uh, eventually there would have been a joint where they would have added like a Robin kind of dude, like a sidekick, but he would have been more like Lando and he would just kind of fuck around and be there. And it was just really kind of just a, a pitch kind of from Paul Dini because he was on Batman, the animated series. Finally, the idea that Ben Affleck would be the, you know, the King of Canada was supposed to be like an Aladdin thing for take that for what it's worth but uh that definitely sounds like there would be some interest in ben affleck as the king of canada in kind of a you know an aladdin situation not sure who the genie is and who's what in this scenario i'm sure they would have come up with something cool there my confusion here is why the juicy fruit why didn't they go with chuli's gum man i mean chuli's gum dude that's all you need yeah yeah <laughs> Try some Chuli's gum instead, man. <laughs> seriously, they are committed. They will give their sales reps actual lungs to bring around with them. And they're like, who gives a lung? Like an actual lung. Who gives that to their sales reps? That's dedication. That's definitely dedication, man. I mean, that's some hardcore fucking commitment right there, man. And as far as everything else, after it got canceled, obviously they kind of got the shaft here. So Kevin Smith was trying to shop it around, but there was a lot of trouble with the rights. And he basically said, like, all right, we're going to finish it up with a movie. Clerks sell out. And the whole idea was, all right, that Randall and Dante are going to make a movie about working at the quick stop in the video store. And, of course, we know that basically wound up turning into Clerks 3. But Kevin Smith still says there's a chance that they could bring this back somewhere for more episodes on, you know, Hulu, HBO Max, something like that. So what do you think, man? If they could somehow make more of these, but set them at a time where it doesn't interfere with any of the other movies, you know, just set back in the day, they have their own standalone adventures. Would you want to see more? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, if they if they did more animated Clerks that were set back in, you know, before the end of Clerks and everything else, like, shit even before clerks two, or maybe even before the fucking first clerks, you know, right. Yeah. You get a fun with it. To, yeah. I think that'd be a good way to do those earlier fucking, you know, earlier in life kind of episode, earlier in the story kind of episodes or whatnot, man. You know, like I said, from the beginning, dude, I think having the animated option here is, is cool. Cause there's a lot more you can do with it. A lot more off the wall shit and, 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 and fucked up crazy shit you can do with animation than you can do with real, 
you know, live footage and whatnot. Although Clerks is based on black and white live footage. So it's like having the option of having a having an animated version of this is is definitely a, a cool uh, a cool thing to do. But if they do it again and extend this or even put out a new season or whatever they do, any kind of branch off of this, I really think it needs to be, you know, uh, more true to the to the nature of of this story and of these characters and, and be more, uh, you know, uncensored and, uh, you know, rated R, at least for fuck's sake, man. I totally agree with you there. And I think nowadays, given the streaming services and everything that is on the table, I, I think you would have to do it that way. And I think there wouldn't be a problem doing that, you know, basically letting them, you know, the dialogue flow as they would like. Do you think they would, uh, assuming you could dialogue it up the way we wanted to, would you change the animation style or would you have them keep it that way? No, I like the animation style, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and going back to the dialogue and whatnot, not even for personal preference, but just to stay true to the fucking story here or the, or the nature of the beast or whatever it is, man, I think they need to keep, uh, you know, on that level. But uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't change the animation. I like it. I like the rustic kind of comic book vibe they got going here, you know, and it fits for what it is. The justice, you know, to keep it more like, uh, more like how clerk should be. I don't think it should be toned down, you know. A hundred percent, especially as a dude who's worked, uh, you know, enough retail in my life and everything. I mean, they might've missed out on a lot of opportunity here by having to do, having to do that. You know, and I don't think Kevin Smith liked that idea. I think he just kind of played along with it. was like, oh, let's see what we can do, you know, and, and he tried and he tried well and it turned out good enough. You know, I mean, it's cool. It's a great idea. But if there's any advancement here, I think it should be, you know. Right. Again, you get into the right thing, which is, you know, quite complicated, but more or less at the end of the day, Disney, I think, owns at least some rights to clerks or at least the TV rights. So they're not necessarily... The studio that's running out there to do the hard R shit, but they're they're supposedly going to make a an R rated Deadpool. So hopefully we get, we can get more Clerks animated series. I think that would be, you know, pretty fucking great. It, it, Soup, you sound pretty positive here. I feel pretty positive, but we gotta put the pen to the paper. So what do you think, man? Is Clerks the animated series sponge worthy? You know what, man? And I thought about this. I was like, is it sponge worthy? I think it really depends on the situation. Sometimes somebody's sponge worthy and, and and like in the moment. And I think this is definitely sponge worthy in the moment. If it's not in the moment and it's not like what you're looking to do and you're just trying to throw something on, maybe not. Or it could work that way too. You know what? All right, fuck it. All the fucking riff ramp. Yeah, I'll give it a fucking sponge worthy. I'll give it a one sponge. I'll give it what it's one time sponge worthy. And then from then on, you know. Maybe a sponge. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, yeah, I'll give it a fucking sponge. Yeah, I think this is worth it. This is definitely underrated. I think it's gotten an unfair rap. It's definitely checked in on a lot of kind of, you know, most underrated uh, adult-oriented animated joints or whatever. I think that it's it was fun. I had fun watching it. I don't think it's one that you can infinitely rewatch and contemplate all of the complicated issues they're trying to talk about or some connected mythology. It's just fun. It's good. You have a laugh. I laughed out loud multiple times. You know, it moves pretty well. I think you could probably trim each episode down from like 22 minutes to 19 and it might be a touch tighter, but that might also be because episodes of comedy shows are shorter by three minutes nowadays. We're just used to it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did, I did like the rewatch better than the than the initial watch, you know. So I do feel like this might be something that you could watch more than one time. I think it's a grower, not a shower, dude. I think smudge worthy or not, I think it's a grower. Definitely a grower. Um, yeah, and I'll give it a yeah, sponge worthy for sure, man. Sponge worthy for sure, dude. All right, man. So it's time to unveil our rankings. We had six episodes. We each ranked them. We're just going to take a look, see which was our favorite, which we liked the least, and everything in between. At the bottom, we have, ironically, the last episode ever checked in six. We both had it in fifth. At five, we have the pilot, Leonardo. Leonardo returns. Not going to say the whole thing. It's a long title. Uh, I had it at six. Soup had it at three. At four, we have the fifth episode. Uh, Dante and Randall, Jay and Silent Bob, a bunch of new characters, do a bunch of movie parodies. That was a fun one. And then we have a three-way tie for first between episodes two, three, and four. I think the big difference was you had the clip show at one I had it at four. That's episode two. And then I had the whole outbreak episode at one. You had it at four. Other than that, we're pretty close. You know, I think we probably talked a lot about them. I just felt that the outbreak thing was kind of the most fully formed version of the show where they managed to do a parody thing, but also make it feel like clerks a little bit. I, I did like the, the clip show joint. I just think it didn't land as well because the first episode wasn't strong enough to refer to it yet. I liked doing the clip episode early on, you know, not enough for me to put it at, you know, at one or whatever, but I, I feel confident with the three-way tie for third here. It does feel like there's kind of a top tier, uh, a bottom, but you know, definitely makes me wish we would have gotten more. Yeah. Fair enough, man. You know, uh, I definitely, I definitely am, uh, wanting to see more episodes after after just looking this over again recently you know so hopefully uh you know that'll turn out that way but uh, as far as the ranking goes and shit i almost it, it's tough because there's only six of them and a lot of them are really close and 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 like you man i don't know which one to put again above the other one and shit uh the reason i put number one as high as i did even though it was probably one of the weaker episodes is just because of the if you watch it first it, it opens it all up it initiates it. so i think it's a necessary episode you know and it's like you said earlier it sets the tone for the whole fucking thing you know i mean uh you don't even know who leonardo 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 is until after this episode you know so it's like you know and he that's a major character throughout the whole uh you know six episodes or whatever so i mean things like that and the, like the introduction with the whole like you know it's it, this is the clerks and you know and again i'm reiterating what i said earlier but i i really like the way it was brought in with it with the beginning part of that episode so i think that was very necessary but you know that being said um you know as far as the other rankings go yeah a lot of them are close you know but uh overall very very good and uh my only my only beef is that uh hey uh like they said in episode six stick stick true to the fucking shit you know and i think he knew that i think they all knew that and they did it anyway and and uh and that's why that was the final scene episode ever and uh hopefully we see more you know even though it was the final episode ever might be uh you know in a different dimension or a different fucking whatever the fuck they want to do with it man but uh i'd like to see it continue and i'd like to see it continue on a clerk's level you know 
Soup says, let the view universe enter the uh the multiverse now. There's, there's yeah. a mul- we got alternate timelines. We can make it happen. And uh before we get out of here, let's give a grade to the series overall. What do you think? On a scale of zero to one hundred, Leonardo's like the Leonardo's. How many are you given to the clerks the animated series, Soup? How many zero to hundred Leonardo's? What you got? Well, you know, I'm going to give it, and I'm basing this off of, uh, wait, hold on. I feel like I'm, I feel like I can see you without being. Oh, um, you just right. got here. It's coming in and out. It comes in waves. Um, it's been happening, but whatever. The lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, overall, without, without further ado, without too much fucking conversation about this thing, I'm going to give it a good... Yeah, I'm 78. I'm going Bruce Smith. I'm going with 78. Leonardo's on this guy, man. You know, I think there's a lot of potential here. I think there's a lot they could have done with it. I think there's a lot they wanted to do with it and couldn't, and it wasn't really their fault. And uh, again, hope for the future on maybe some more of these. But yeah, as far as what this is, 78 solid. I like that. I, I feel I'm right there with you. Either a super high C, maybe a low to low mid B. I'm going 80. Leonardo's. I mean, that's pretty good. You got the blue, the blue eye joint. You got the katana swords. You got Leonardo, Leonardo from Leonardo. All good shit. So that, that brings us to a 79 on average. I think that's solid for Clark's animated series. Again, worth checking out once. Take you about two hours. You'll enjoy it. Just get through it. Might take a minute to get used to the animation style. I think you'll enjoy it. Soup thinks you'll enjoy it. It's good for checking out once all the way through, and then it's good for checking out again at random, just have on when you come home late at night at work and you want something to throw on, throw one of these motherfuckers on. It's built for that. It's yeah. like a Looney Tune style thing. You don't have to watch them in any real order or anything. It does help if you do, but it, it I think it could be fun. All right, man. So that pretty much brings us to the point that all we have to do is figure out which US universe joint are we going to do next? I, I think probably Mole Rats or Clerks 2 would be the most logical, but we don't always do the most logical things, so... I think I'd like to do Mallrats, just considering maybe they might be making the the Mallrats who might be happening finally. But I'm 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 open to discussion. Yeah, we don't always do the most logical thing, and this might be the most difficult part of this whole fucking shit right here. But we'll we'll figure it out, man. So here it is, going without logic or whatever. Because if you think about that, then we should honestly just continue with Clerks and go. We did Clerks, we did the animated, then we do Clerks two. Then we do Clerks 3 and just wrap up Clerks. But I think we should fucking skip around a little bit. Not that going to Clerks 2 next wouldn't be a terrible idea, because I think it would be a great idea, because it's a fucking awesome movie, a lot there. You know, whatever, I'm not going to get into too much detail. I think that'd be a good one to go to next and to make sense and everything. Although Mallrats might make more sense, so I might be in total agreement with you on that. So if we want to fucking just call fucking Judge Reinhold in here right now and fucking uh, stick the banana pipe, the banana in this fucking tailpipe and say we're doing fucking mall rats, we could just settle on that, dude, and we'll call it a cool fucking even. I- I'm cool with mall rats, but I feel like you like were you trying to soft pitch dogma? No, because I pitched dogma last time at the end of the other clerks one, and if so I didn't want to repitch it, I was going to hold off on dogma. Um, now, if that's on the table, we can negotiate. I mean, I'm just being, I'm being, I, I'm honestly, we enjoy all these, and you know, realistically, we can eventually put them in whatever order we want to or whatever. It's just what you think the maximum fun would be. You know, I think we wound up in this just because it made the most sense coming off of Clerks to do the animated series because it wouldn't fit anywhere else. 
now we kind of it may be weird to maybe do clerks through and then go back to mall rats but you know what here's what i think we should do dude i think we need to do an ultimate fucking frank reynolds flip a coin because there's no wheel. Oh, you, want, you want to spin the wheel, dude? I mean, we could just spin uh, the gun. If it's the wheel, no, I don't want to do the wheel. I want it to be between, uh, I'm thinking it needs to come down to mall rats or dogma. And I think those are the two ones that we should, if we're not, those are the ones we should do next. One of those two, man. So uh, so I think it's a Frank Reynolds coin flip at this point, man. Are you- yeah, I mean, we can, I mean, I have a coin flip app. So we've got dogma tails, mall rats heads, Flipping the thing here. That's a that's a tails, I believe. So, ah shit. I am one hundred percent down to talk about dogma. The most I fucked up thing about it. talking about dogma is it's like Fight Club. You can't find dogma. You could maybe talk about it, but you can't find dogma. You got to buy it on Blu-ray or DVD because it's not streaming anywhere. It is legitimately yeah, a tough flick to watch. So. Hmm. But it's worth it when you find it. I might have that in the light. It's like the clitoris. You, I mean, you got to be the clit commander to fucking be able to fuck with a movie like Dogma. So uh, if you're on that level, join us next time when me and Mills talk about fucking Dogma, carrying on our view of universe, Kevin Smith world that we're, uh, you know, involved in now, man. We've been through animations and everything else. I might even be turning into a fucking cartoon character for I know. For all I know, man. I mean, it's coming in fucking waves and shit. And, you know, whatever, man. I, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. It's it's fine. But it, Dogma somehow, some way, and get back to us next week or whenever we fucking talk about Dogma here, man. Yeah, that's pretty much the deal. That That's what we're doing next time. This was Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I just wherever you eat your pods on YouTube, on the social meds, at Dudes Watch Stuff. Don't forget the flaps. You know, you don't want to be mistaken for a drunk pilot. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps people find the show. We greatly appreciate it. I am Meg Mills. He is the soup producer. Thank you for being here, because to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure we weren't even supposed to be here today.